This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. What was your first exciting adult purchase and how old were you now? I know that there's a way to interpret that as though it's some sort of dirty, naughty question. That's not the kind of question My I'm asking. First yeah, that's not what we're talking about. I mean, like, like your adulting purchase, like, you know, um, I here's here's an example. I remember buying a kitchen table new and being like, I have now achieved adulthood i have a new not used not hand me down from my parents kitchen table and i am now an adult uh 651-641-1071 this is the colleen and bradley show on my talk 1071 i'm colleen lindstrom that's holly roberts bradley trainer is off uh, but he'll be back don't worry about it he's yeah. having a fun time he deserves a vacation we all do yeah um that actually would be a great first adult purchase. Did you take yourself on a vacation? Yeah. Is that like a big, ad- the first big adult purchase you made? Um, I have a, a study, not a study, a, a poll here that talks about those first adult purchases, those things that you arrive at that when you were a kid, maybe you were like, that sounds lame. I don't want to spend my money on that. But then you become proud of it as an adult. What was your first adult purchase that you got excited about? Because apparently the average answer about the age a person is when they make their first adult purchase that they're excited about is 22 years old, which kind of makes sense because that's typically about when people are out on their own for the first time. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Right? Um, so here, and, and then there's also going along with that, uh, these statistics are the, tie, the top signs that you are a true adult. You save money, you do your own taxes, you stick to a budget, you buy life insurance, you make regular doctor appointments. But what we're specifically asking about is what is that first adult purchase you made and you were actually excited about it? 651-641-1071. Let's go to... Marie, we've got Marie on the line. Hi, Marie. Hey, Marie. Hi. Marie, what was your first big adult purchase that you were super excited about? I purchased my own glasses. I got like a two-for-one deal. Yes. And it came with a free eye exam. Yes. You could not tell me I was not grown. Right? <laughs> and how? And like, how old were you when that happened? 19, I think. I love that. It's so true, though. You're like, look at me. I have... I have bought myself sight and fashion all yes. at the same time. 
Exactly. I love it, Marie. Thank you for your call. 19 years old, glasses. Yeah, get your glasses. And I love the BOGO, the buy one, get one free with the free eye exam. Of I mean, come on. Yes, you're also saving money. I love it. Let's go to Brianna. Brianna, Brianna, what was the first adult purchase you made that you got really excited about? Brianna. Oh, hi. I didn't realize I was on. That's okay. So I actually received a gift from my grandma, and it just, it made me feel old, I guess. And <laughs> what was it, it? So when you rinse your lettuce off, it's like this contraption where you put the head of lettuce in, and you spin the lettuce, and it gets all the water off Oh, of yeah, it. a salad spinner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brianna, I have to tell you, I had two salad spinners, and I just got rid of both of them and then immediately needed them. So don't get rid oh, of that sucker. Go. Keep that thing because no, you never, right? It's forever. It's so it's, convenient. <laughs> I love it. Brianna, thank you so much for extolling the virtues of a salad spinner. Spin that salad. Spin it, girl. Thanks for your call. Uh, let's go to Debbie. Hello to Debbie. Debbie, what was the first adult purchase you made all by yourself that you were super excited about? Uh, brand new car. Oh, oh, yes. That one's a huge one because usually it comes along with that, like, negotiating Yes, back then, and you know, you did. I was 22, and you know, you had to pick out the color of your seats, and you had to pick out if you wanted power steering, and you, you had to pick out all these things. And then, did you have to like negotiate the price? That's the part that always made yes, me panic. I did. I did. I love it. See, that is a lot to be proud of because yeah. it is scary to go in there. First of all, you get to make all those decisions, but then you have to like do that thing where you try to tell them how much you're really willing to pay. For that right. awesome. And then you have all that freedom when you get it. I love it, Debbie. Yeah. Thanks thanks <laughs> yeah. for your call. Thanks, Debbie. And 22 is like right in line with that study that says yeah. 22 is usually the age. Thanks yeah. for your call. All right, let's go to Kaylee. We've got Kaylee on the line. Kaylee, what was the first big adult purchase that you made? I was a freshman in college, and I purchased all of my textbooks with my first credit card. Okay. And that cost you, I bet, like way more money than you could even believe you were spending on books, right? It was more than I expected for sure, yes. I remember that being the craziest thing where I was, you know, I went in to buy all the books that they required for on the syllabus for all my classes and I got up to the front and I was like, okay, I'm ready to pay. And then they said the figure and I was like... What? For books? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But I still do have all of the books. I have them on my bookshelf still. I love it. (laughs) I love it. There you go, Kaylee. Thank you for your call. And let's go to Lynn. Let Lynn have the last word on this. Hey, Lynn, what what was the first big adult purchase you made that you were really proud of? I bought myself a stereo system. A stereo system. You worked all summer long, yeah? And I bought a stereo system. The I, receiver, the two big speakers, the turntable. It was a big deal. I love that. I love that, too, because it like you had to work for it. So it even means even more, right? Yes. Do you still have it? Um, I still have the speakers. Yeah. See, there you go. And they they still work. I love that. Nice. Thank you, Lynn. Um, A stereo system like that would that would have been a huge one. So that's the other thing that Lynn just said. Those those times that you saved up for something, 
specifically for that thing and you worked really, really hard for it and then you bought it and you were super proud of it. Holly, what was the first big adult purchase you made that you were really excited about? It wasn't even like a really big purchase, but I remember... After I got my first like real career job yeah. and I was like, mm, yeah, I'm feeling myself. I bought a nice pair of sunglasses. Oh, yeah. Not the kind that are on the rotator at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Not the kind that you're going to lose or you're going to break. Yeah. But I was like, I am going to take care of these yeah. and I'm going to put them in their case when I'm done wearing them. Uh-huh. And those sunglasses lasted probably about six or seven years until literally the lens shattered. OK, that's amazing. That is awesome. And I was like, I'm going to I'm going to take care of these. Yeah, see that's a good pride thing too where you're like, I'm an adult. Like this is what this is what adults do. Yeah. Well, and like this is what I want. Yeah. This specifically is what I want. And I was like, I'm going to do this because I'm a grown bleep woman. Mm-hmm. And you can do that sometimes. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, when you get to make those choices for yourself of like, oh, I have a job now. I, I yes, I will spend this money on this thing I want. Yes. I love that. So adult. I'm sorry that you don't have your sunglasses. It's okay. It's fine. You've moved on to other sunglasses. Yes. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for your calls. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, I'm excited because it's Friday. And what does that mean? Cheat day. Cheat day. Friday. After this on My Talk 1071. Oh, it's Friday on the Colleen and Bradley show. My Talk 1071. Streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. Bradley Trainers on vacation. Holly Roberts and I are here. And Holly, what do we do on Fridays? Oh, we like to cheat. Yes, it's a cheat day. Dirty, rotten cheetah. Cheat day taste test. Stick this in your mouth. Okay, we are gonna. Mm. Um, okay, so I saw this on Food Beast, which is where I usually go to just see what's what's popping. What's What's, what's popping and locking in the food world? Um, and this was the headline, and I was like, don't tell me that this is in some other location, possibly in Europe and or Asia, because, you know, that always happens. The headline was Panera now has a grilled mac and cheese sandwich. Oh, well, hello. What? That is a lot. And I would like to try it. Um, Panera has combined your two favorite comfort food favorites with the grilled mac and cheese sandwich. And it is available, and it is under the the category new when you go to Panera. And um, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a sandwich that has grilled cheese in the middle. And I think what I'm seeing, Holly, I don't know about you. Like, I see like a, I don't know, it looks like a cheesy center. I don't know. I'm going like to pull it apart. That's a good idea. I don't see additional cheeses in this, but I do see that it has cheese sweat, meaning that there's a lot of cheese. Cheese sweat. Well, because when I squeeze Mm. it, you get a little cheese. You get an ooze factor. Let's see if I can focus this because we are doing this for the camera. Mm No, that didn't really work. Mm. Sorry. I'll do it. How about I try? Yeah. How about you try to get the... Oh, there it is. Oh, Oh, yeah. So here's the other thing about the uh, grilled mac and cheese sandwich. That this is good news, okay, for for birds, for bird eaters. That's what I call people who like can't really put it down like I can. If you're a person who has a smaller appetite, oh, okay. I'm like, what? There's no chicken in no, this. No, I know. Are you talking about no, no, no. You <laughs> can get a half sandwich. So we got a half because you know I don't like to waste food, and I knew it's cheat day. We're not going all in. So we've we've. Uh, 
We've put uh, we've cut it into threes so that each of us can try it. Um, who would like to go first? I'm gonna take a sniff first. Okay, first you take gotta, a whiff. Well, I, I'm, I'll take a bite. Will you talk right. about the whiff? So the whiff is just cheese. Now the thing that I'm concerned about, Colleen, and this is a concern that we always have on cheat day, because a lot of times we get food delivered that this may not have its true essence because it is room temperature because it mm-hmm. has gone from the restaurant to the delivery mechanism. To our mouths. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it has suffered any because it could be a little bit more molten. With the it cheese. is room temperature. Yeah. However, All right, I'm, gonna I'm not mad about it. Not mad about it. All right. I'm really not mad about it. It delivers. First of all, it's good mac and cheese. And I'm not saying craft mac and cheese isn't decent. I'm saying this is like legit homemade mac and cheesy cheese. And it's delicious mac mm. and cheese. Mm. I was worried that it was going to be too, um, like, bready. Right. You know what I mean? Like, noodles and bread, that's a whole lot of everything, right? Noodles that's and like bread. a carb party. Together at last. Yeah, just like you always knew they could be. So I wasn't super excited about it. But the other thing is, I don't know if you noticed this. Oh, here, this is what it was. Okay, here's the description. Because there was something that surprised me in there, okay? The new grilled mac and cheese sandwich has Panera's high key delicious mac and cheese tapping in with a signature blend of the bakery's fontina and mozzarella cheeses with parmesan crisps so that's what's like layered in there yes right and that's the piece that like made it sing for me is like you're eating you're eating you're chewing you're chewing you're getting your mac and cheese and then you get like a whole different texture and flavor experience in the midst of it and that's that parmesan crisp and then it's toasted on thick sliced Classic white bread. Um, and it is, it delivers on the cheese. I like this. It's good. I don't know if I could eat it. Like, eat it. I just did. I don't know if I could do a whole half sandwich, but certainly, like, this is a shareable thing. Yeah. I will say our social media gal was like, oh, my dad is going to love this because he always gets grilled cheese and macaroni and cheese from Panera. Yeah, so this is carbon. It's on all carb. of it. It's everything. If you need to run a marathon the next day, Great. You got everything you need right here. Yeah. If you or someone you know and love needs to carbo load for mm. any reason, maybe it's just existing, then this is a sandwich you want wouldn't want to get. I enjoyed this experience, Colleen, of the Panera mac and cheese sandwich. This is something I would never order for myself on a menu. I would right. never even think about right. it because it's like normally... I don't really eat mac and cheese. Right. Normally, I don't even really eat a grilled cheese. Right. I like the idea that they can live together in harmony. Right. It makes sense because a lot of times when you go to an Italian restaurant, for example, you're going to eat the pasta and you're going to eat the bread. Right. Why not? Kill Why not put it all put it all together and, and cram it in your mouth? Cheesy happy moment. Yeah. I will say that I I was I was it looked a little gimmicky to me at first. Well, so yeah. I thought, okay, okay, so this is like a gimmicky experience. But I was pleased. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my uh, grilled mac and cheese sandwich experience. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Think kids will really like it? Oh, for sure. Uh, that's actually what I was just thinking is if I gave this to my 14-year-old, he would. it would be like I... Gave him the keys to the kingdom. Like Mom, this. Yeah, this is so good. It's the so, best. So good. But on, here's the other thing that didn't occur to me until right now. I would make this at home, like just for funsies, as like a rainy day, you know, weekend lunch. If my kids, you know, were, oh, I don't want the regular stuff. I make homemade mac and cheese a lot for them. We like to do that and throw it in the fridge and then they scoop it out and nuke it for meals but this would be kind of a fun thing you could recreate at home so okay um let's let's rate the mac and cheese the grilled mac and cheese sandwich from panera which by the way is available at all paneras yeah go get yourself yeah one. so you it's not like you have to go to a special one it no. is um oh wait sorry i lied it's available at participating panera locations but hopefully all of your favorite paneras are participating because why wouldn't you yeah and then if they're not then ask why not yeah be like where why not and why can you make that for me thanks <laughs> Um, okay, so out of five cobras, we always uh, we always rate on a five cobra scale. Five being the best. How many cobras are you going to give it? Get a get of a nice three point five cobras. Ah, okay, it was a wonderful experience. Am I going to order the mac and cheese sandwich from Panera Bread? No, but I'm glad that I went on this journey with yes. you, Colleen, oh, this and afternoon. I'm so glad you did, too. It was a wonderful journey, a beautiful journey, never to be repeated again. I, I'm going to give it a four. And the reason why is, like I said, I probably also wouldn't order it. But for what it is, it's really great. And actually, like this tastes like something that you would get at the state fair. Like oh, it has that okay. sort of sensibility, right? When yeah. I said like it was kind of gimmicky. It it delivers on what it says it is, and it throws in some good surprises with those par- that Parmesan crisp. Um, and I like that. If it would have been just straight mac and cheese on bread, I think I would have been bored with it. But this is definitely a step up. So I'm going to give it a solid four for Panera's grilled mac and cheese sandwich. Again, you can get that at participating Panera locations nationwide. Now, I will say... We did have a moment this morning because I think you and I were both on different tracks. So we already know what we're going to try next week. Should we tell people what we're going to try next week? Oh, yeah. What we're going to try next week. There's something else that's new at a beloved fast food establishment. I saw a commercial for this last night. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, yeah, we're going to try this. It's at Taco Bell right now. Yes. You have me at Taco Bell. It's a crispy chicken sandwich. Mm. So their whole thing is like, is it a sandwich? Is it a taco? We don't know, but it's Taco Bell's entry into the chicken sandwich wars, and we're going to try it next Friday. Yay! Yay! All right. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, we have celebrities behaving badly. We call them T-Bags. We're going to tell you about them after this on My Talk 1071. This is the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. Bradley Trainers on vacation. Holly Roberts and I are hanging out. Yay! Rachel's over there on the controls. And. We have some celebrities behaving badly to tell you about, and we call them... Douchebags. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. 
Hey, Colleen, who's yeah. your douchebag today? Thank you. Thank you for asking. It's Patrick Dempsey. What? I know. This is big because this is Grey's Anatomy drama. <clears throat> oh, so we are indulging. Listen, indulging. I, but but this everybody knew when this all happened, and now oh. we know even more. So I need you. Okay, okay. You, I'm here, Colleen. Mm-hmm, that's me. Are the resident dedicated fan of Grey's Anatomy? Yes. So this is not new news. No, this is super not new news. Um, but it is kind of newish news because. Patrick Dempsey is, you know, part of part of a larger subject of a book. It's called How to Save a Life, the Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy, which I'll be pre-ordering. And the book, by the way, is by a reporter for Entertainment Weekly, I'm going to say, I believe. Anyway. This, this book is coming out, and the book is is telling all kinds of things about the history of Grey's Anatomy, the early years of Grey's Anatomy, and then some of the things that you might wonder about, like, why did they kill Patrick Dempsey's character off? He was a very important character in the show. He was McDreamy. He was McDreamy, and he was, you know, sort of iconic in that role. He had, a, and he, when the, when the show started, he was arguably not even arguably he was the biggest star he was the person he was the most recognizable name the most recognizable face but about 11 seasons in things started to go a little bit sideways with patrick dempsey and that's why he's my d-bag because the way he was apparently conducting himself we had whiffs of this but no confirmation but this book is offering us some sort of confirmation um one of the writers says Shonda needed to get somebody in as a showrunner for 14 episodes because there were HR issues. It wasn't sexual in any way, meaning Patrick Dempsey wasn't like sexually, uh, you know, assaulting or harassing people, but he was terrorizing the set. So he had like an attitude of, of aggravation that was sort of seeping out in many ways. Those are my words, not the words of the, of the writer. Um, And, and this writer said some of the cast members had all sorts of PTSD with him. He had this hold on set where he knew he could stop production and scare people. The network and studio came down and we had sessions with them. I think he was just done with the show. He didn't like the inconvenience of coming in every day and working. And he and Shonda were at each other's throats. So we'd heard rumblings of this. He didn't like the inconvenience of working every day. Okay, so I'm going to read to you what Patrick Dempsey said, okay? Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Can't wait. I know. He said, it was hard to say no to that kind of money. How do you say no to that? It's remarkable to be a working actor and then on top of that, be on the show that's visible. And then on top of that, to be on a phenomenal show that's known around the world, to play a character who's beloved around the world, it's very heady. It was a lot to process and not wanting to let that go because you never know whether you will work again and have sex. So sorry, success again. (laughs) But he had also said it's 10 months, 15 hours a day. You never know your schedule. So your kid asks you, what are you doing on Monday? And you go, I don't know, because I don't know my schedule. Doing that for 11 years is challenging, but you have to be grateful because you're well compensated. So you can't really complain because you don't really have a right. You don't have any control over your schedule. So you just have to be flexible. It's a kind of poor me experience that we're hearing. And it's, um, not recognizing some privilege in there. Sounds like Patrick Dempsey had an ego problem. Which has is an ego problem yeah. that Patrick Dempsey is like, I know that I have it good, but I'm still going to complain about it anyways. And that's basically what he said. He was like, they just kept throwing money at me, so I hated it, but I kept doing it, which 
I, yeah, uh, you know, he's right. How do you walk away from that money? But but then it's incumbent upon you as a human being who's working in community with other human beings who are all also, by the way, working the exact same schedule with the exact same set of circumstances, right? For a lot less money. For a way less money. For a lot less money. Then it's incumbent upon you to figure out how to adjust your attitude so that you can exist in that ecosystem. But you don't get to walk around and make other people uncomfortable because you're angry with your situation. Well, it's actually kind of pathetic. Oh, it's so pathetic. It's pathetic on Patrick Dempsey's part because, like you said, Colleen, and this kind of goes with everybody. You have a choice on how you're going to act in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. Mm Mm-hmm. Patrick Dempsey made a choice based on money, based on ego, based on a number of things to take that job at Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. So then it's incumbent upon you to decide, you know what, even if I'm having a bad day, even if I'm tired, I'm just going to rally because there are hundreds of people who are employed on the set of Grey's Anatomy who have it just as hard as I do and who are getting compensated a lot less. Why don't you talk to the production assistant that you're probably yelling at? Right. Who's getting paid, you know, pennies on the dollar for by you. Right. And you're and, and for, by all accounts, you know, I read I read from uh, another person on the crew who basically was like he could shut down production. Yeah. And he probably did. And that inconvenienced and upset other people who, to your point, pro- were making were. No question, making way less than he was. And probably also had families who also had children who are also asking them, when are you going to be home parental unit? Well, and that's the thing I think that fries me the most is that that he's, well, first of all, it does it matters if people have children. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but, but everybody has obligations to other people outside of their oh, yes. work life. Yeah. So whether it's your kid or whether it's your spouse or whether it's, you know, your parent or whether it's your best friend who you don't have time to see, whatever that those those important relationships are around you, it is truly the same feeling of obligation. I can't do the things that I want to do. I'm not able to do. I have no predictability. Everybody's experiencing that at the same time. Mm-hmm. But that's also part and parcel to the job. And if you signed on for the job, that's kind of what you signed on for. You don't have to like it. But you can't let that command you to the place where you are evil to the people you work around. Yeah. And that's the piece. That, so this is like a confirmation of what we all knew happened because we knew he was killed off for a reason or he died for a reason because they couldn't bring him back. Now, they did for those like quick little whiffs in this last season, which was lovely, fine. But it was a hallucination. Right? It was a hallucination. It wasn't real. But also... You know, I don't know. I think a lot of fans were really excited to see him. I was like, yeah, but I know he was a jerk to everybody. So I hope he was at least nice when he showed up. He probably was. He probably was delightful. Well, yeah, because he only probably had to show up on set for a couple of days. But then think of what that did to the people who worked with him at a different time when he wasn't so kind. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? That had to have been a real weird culture experience. Well, yeah. And if you were uh, if you're working with Grey's Anatomy and it seems like a lot of people have stuck around working on Grey's Anatomy for a really long time. Uh-huh. Like, oh, God, Patrick's coming yeah. back for a couple days. Yeah. <sighs> Luckily, most of his <laughs> shots were with just well, actually, all of them, I think, were just with Ellen Pompeo. So they were probably the ones that had to settle the score and the rest of everybody. It was just crew members. 
others who probably were like, oh, great. Oh, yeah. The key grip is probably like, Ugh. yeah, exactly. Woof. So that D-bag is on behalf of all those people who had to work with a whiny, upset Patrick Dempsey. And I'm sad about it because he's McDreamy. Yeah. A single tear is not shed for Patrick Dempsey this afternoon. Okay. what's Who's your D-bag? Oh, I got a little vintage D-bag. Ooh, let's do it. Who it's is it? CBS. Oh, go figure. Yes. Again. The iNetwork CBS is my D-bag of the day because of the story that I found on People.com concerning the sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond. I told you it was vintage. Everybody loves Raymond. my beverage. Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> well, apparently everyone loves Raymond, but they didn't love Deborah. Rude. Because we're getting this story about CBS uh-huh. and their attitude towards Patricia Heaton being cast as the wife and everybody loves Raymond. So this uh, story is coming to us courtesy of the show's creator, Phil Rosenthal. He's saying that CBS didn't want Patricia Heaton to play Ray Barone's wife in the sitcom. And he says, quote, CBS wanted someone hotter <gasps> to play Deborah. Oh, my gosh. Which is so bleeping rude. It's horrible. Also, Patricia Heaton is gorgeous. Thank you. Gorgeous actress. Now, Phil Rosenthal says that he almost quit the show because of CBS trying to butt in on his casting choice because he wanted Patricia Heaton to play this role, Uh insisting that she was right for this part. And obviously she was. She went on to. He was right. And he was absolutely right. And uh, he said, I met with her. Very pleasant. Well, he said that CBS wanted this hot actress hot quote unquote Mm -hmm. and he's like i thought she was wrong she was nice but she wasn't reading for the role she wasn't going to be good at this and this just you know it's a tale as old as time in hollywood you know it's like well why can't we get the hot thing in cbs was the perpetrator i don't know if perpetrator is the correct word in this but cbs was known for these kinds of sitcoms yeah schlubby guy Hot wife. Right. That was the formula. Right. We saw that play out time and again. The King of Queens, Kevin James, schlubby husband. Yeah. Hot Leah wife. Remini, hot wife. Yeah. I think that the show Yes, Dear was another one of those schlubby husband, hot wife. Well, there are so many. I'm trying to remember who that who's in that. I want to say that Yes, Dear, Um, that was a sitcom around the same time. Was but that in Jim my Belushi? Mind, no, that was according to Jim. Okay, it's a different one. Schlubby husband, yeah. Jim Belushi, yeah. hot wife, Courtney Thorne Smith. Yeah. Schlubby husband, and yes, dear, Mike O'Malley, hot wife, an actress named Liza Snyder. Now, okay. th- so this is just a trope that they yeah. were perpetuating, but it's really frustrating because you're like trying to do the math in your head. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Now, there was a show that came on earlier this year and i didn't check it out and it stars annie murphy from bleeps creek oh yeah yeah yeah. kevin can bleep himself which was kind of a a riff on that Mm -hmm. of the quote-unquote hot wife who became frustrated with her shelby husband in a sitcom and then went rogue in real life yeah so kind of trying to play on that trope a little bit interesting i don't know whether or not that was successful but cbs i know people who watched it loved it Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here, CBS. Oh, and remember who was uh, the head of uh, CBS? Uh, Les Moonves. Uh, right? Yeah, thank you. Gross. And now we learn. Bye. Bye. When we <laughs> come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, we've got a little Met Gala cleanup on aisle one.
We'll tell you about it after this on My Talk 1071. We've got some Met Gala cleanup on the Colleen and Bradley show, My Talk 1071. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainers on Vacation. Holly and I are here with you. Greetings. Greetings and salutations. Um, The Met Gala was earlier this week on Monday. Monday? Evening. Monday. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, you know, it was a, a scene. Um, but one of the most talked about scenes was Kim Kardashian's outfit. In Balenciaga. Balenciaga. Um, it was basically a, like, very, very stark black ensemble. And it was essentially a t-shirt for your whole body. Yeah. She was covered head to toe in this um, stretchy black material. That had a stretchy black cape. And I, when I say head to toe, I mean, like, legitimately her head. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, it truly is. Uh, it's like a body sock with a big long train. And then they like clipped a great big lengthy ponytail on the back. Now, the thing about the Met Gala is it's supposed to be like fashion, but also art, which fashion, fashion. and art are one in the same. In well, some right. ways. Because the whole point of the Met Gala is it's actually a fundraising event for the Metropolitan Museum of Art and their fashion exhibit they put on every year. Exactly. And you can go and see the fashion exhibit. Yes. Even if you can't go to the Met Gala because it costs $30,000 a ticket. What? Okay. Okay. So there's Kim Kardashian. And by the way, it's invite only. So Kim Kardashian, uh, she's been added to the guest list because of her relationship with Kanye West. And um, Kanye really pushed Anna Wintour, who heads up the Met Gala, um, pushed her, him, her to invite Kim Kardashian. But there are other Kardashians that are not on the guest list. But that's not why we came here. We didn't come here to talk about poor Chloe. We didn't. Although Chloe would like us to. Uh-huh. So the theme this year was in America, a lexicon of fashion. Okay. And so oftentimes there's like a perspective, a, an artistic perspective that goes along with the look or the look. Well, uh, a lot of people have been having a lot of questions about what was the perspective with Kim Kardashian's. And so some people who, who know stuff are giving some thoughts on what this was all about. Right. So, for example, um, the senior fashion and culture editor for Vogue, her name is Janelle Okwodu, she wrote of Kim Kardashian's outfit, completely obscuring her features and famous physique, the look gave real- uh, the reality star something she hasn't had in a long while, anonymity. Can we... Hold on, hold on. Yeah, oh, I don't have it. Bzz. No, <laughs> no, because that she walks out on the red carpet. I don't care who you are. You know whose body that is because we yeah. know what Kim Kardashian looks like. So no, there was no anonymity. Like nobody needed to announce her. We knew that was Kim Kardashian. But nice try. Thanks for playing. Um. Okay. Then there's another thing that Kim Kardashian posted on her own Twitter. She retweeted a tweet from somebody who tweeted. I said tweet a lot. For someone who is always criticized for being overly sexual, Kim showed she can cover every square inch of skin and still find a way to be criticized and ridiculed. That is American culture. Okay. Okay. So what did that do? Uh, Okay. Pointed the finger at everybody else. It's all our fault. It is everybody else's fault that Kim Kardashian is who she is. And she's pointing out how trashy we are because people are are questioning the Luke that she was wearing. 
So I'm calling fall on all of that. Uh, Nice try, everybody. But nice uh, try. Does not pass. Yeah. Thanks for playing. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that I'm in the minority where I actually enjoyed the outfit when she was looking like she had when she had the sunglasses thing that she was wearing at an after party. So she took off the face mask at the after party and then she wore like what looked like to be sunglasses. No, I don't know if she could actually see through those either. But when it was like when it was presented like that and she took off the T-shirt element uh-huh. there, I actually enjoyed the second Luke mm-hmm. of Kim Kardashian. And I do just want to say this because I I am I, I like to listen to people talk about fashion when it comes to the Met Gala. I it's like I don't have I don't I wouldn't say I like or dislike anything. Right. I, something may grab my attention, and that's what I will say about Kim Kardashian's, which is the intention, right, of mm-hmm. art, is to make you pay attention to it. What the feeling is, maybe it's not like or dislike. It might be discomfort. It might be questions. It might be whatever that is, is what the art is meant to make you feel. So if it's got your attention, it has done its intended purpose. And I would say in that vein, Kim Kardashian absolutely reached her intended purpose. Yeah. I'm glad that you bring that up, Colleen, because when one is looking at outfits on the red carpet at the Met Gala, it's not whether or not it's a good fashion look. It's whether it was successful in executing what it was trying to say. Right. So was it successful? Was it not successful? Right. I think Kim Kardashian's outfit was actually pretty successful mm-hmm. in what it was trying to accomplish. And then you can make other critiques on the other things. So it's like, it's not that, oh, well, that's really cute. Right. Because there were genuine fashion looks on the red, car- sure. on the red carpet that were cute. But it was like, well, did this work? Was this executed well? Or was it not executed well? Right. I don't know. And I suppose that's just red carpentry anyways. It's red not carpentry. It's, <laughs> the art of red carpet. <laughs> no, yeah. It's like, at, at this point in 2021, it's not necessarily whether or not it looks good it's whether or not it was executed well right or like it says something yes it has a perspective yes okay i we have to clean up this other thing fashion now we're going to food which is really more my uh the the more my focus my focal point so remember you talked about this in a dirt alert update the other day that kiki palmer had uh taken a picture of her meal at the met gala and basically was like, look at this. This is why they don't show you the food. I'm just playing. And, um, you know, fans uh, of hers were saying, oh, that looks like the food at the fire Festival, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I will say it looks a little sad. It looks super sad. It looked a little sad. But here's what is lost in the translation. If you don't look at the the plate, it's like she's already eaten stuff and like moved it around on her plate. So this is clearly not what the meal actually looked like when it was served to her. This is after picking at it for a little while. Like there's a mushroom and like some risotto and some tomatoes and some corn and some cukes. You know, there's something going on there. Well, here's the thing. She has had to apologize to the chef. The chef, by the way, was Marcus Samuelson. I would like to just remind everybody we have a a local connection to Marcus Samuelson because his James Beard award winning restaurant Aquavit used to be in the IDS and so he, you know, we we own him. We'll take him because yeah. he had a restaurant here. Well, Marcus Samuelson, who, by the way, also won Bravo's Top Chef Masters in 2010. 
He uh, had he talked to TMZ and had to defend his own meal because Kiki Palmer tweeted about it or uh, Instagrammed about it. And everybody was like, oh, that looks nasty. And he's like, wait a minute. I made that food. Well, thankfully, now Kiki Palmer is like, yeah, I'm really sorry. Like she did apologize. And her apology said um, and this I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. She said, I just have different taste buds. I love this chef. Sorry to this man. Which doesn't feel like a real genuine apology. No, that was something Kiki. Honey, you got to say yeah. something on social media. You got to make it right again so people forget that you said this yeah. and that you can move forward. Now, I'm looking at the TMZ article, and if yeah. these little mini donuts were part of yeah, the Met then Gala hello. feast, then hello. But also the portions were really small. Yes. So I don't blame anyone if after they left the Met Gala that they stopped off at Taco Bell right. and had a fourth meal. Yes, thank you. you. probably would be hungry. Made a run for the border. Yeah. When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, what's your vintage movie happy place? 651-641-1071. We'll take your calls after this on My Talk 107.1.